Welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers, hosted by Jenna Green and Miranda O. Oh. They will be speaking to authors of many different genres to explore themes around writing and storytelling. Join them for engaging and intellectually stimulating conversation with artists from all corners of the world. Hi, welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers. My name's Jenna Green, a YA fantasy author, author of the dystopian thriller Reborn and the Imagine series. You all know my wonderful co-host, Miranda O, oh, uh, contemporary chiclet author, author of the Chin Up, Tits Out series. It's uh, nice to see her in 2021 now, and uh, she has the wonderful privilege of introducing our guest for today. So hi, Miranda. Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here with you, Jenna. The last couple of episodes, I missed you um, (laughs) tremendously. I don't think I stopped talking about you. So I was like, so Jenna would say this in this instance. Um, But we're here in 2021, a brand new year, and we're starting off real big and real exciting. So I would love to introduce our guest. This episode is Jill Shelvis. She is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author known for the Wildstone series series and the Heartbreaker Bay series. She writes warm and funny and sexy contemporary romances and women's fiction. So right up my alley. Now she's not only a two-time reader winner, she has sold more than 15 million copies of her books worldwide. So welcome, Jill. We're so, so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. That sounded way more official than I could have imagined. (laughs) And that's what show notes are for. (laughs) Jen and I were talking before the show. We're like, we're we're so, we're polar opposites, but we're yet, we're so the same. And, and we like to be organized, but not too organized. And we like to have fun, but also be a little serious. And so when you mesh the two of us together, then we, we can put some good words on paper. <laughs> and I don't do series very well, but I'll try. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. We I don't do, do it series. that well either. We, <laughs> we pretend. <laughs> it's all good. We all pretend for a living, apparently. That's what we do. Exactly. exactly. It's like, what hat do we got to put on today? <laughs> so let's dive right into you. So for any listeners or watchers out there that want to get to know you a little bit better, um, uh, you you we're gonna start off like where you live, not like what your street address <laughs> is, because you don't we don't want no creepers coming around. But you live in quite a unique area, and you write a blog about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I was born on the East Coast and grew up in LA, always big big city. So it's, it's really strange to me to be able to tell you this. I live in Tahoe in the woods, and I, you know this. So I'm a misplaced city girl in the <laughs> woods where there are you know bears. We had bears today. We have a mom and a dad. The dad is the size of VW. They have triplets this year. And the babies are just wandering in our yard today, eating our trash, you know, just another day, the city girl is out the window, like I'm pressed up against the window. (laughs) It's unbelievable to me. But that's it is what it is. I live in the woods. Oh my gosh. And that's fantastic. I I'm very similar to you. I grew up in the city. Well, not in this, in the city, but I did have a cabin growing up and we spent all the time in the summer there and the odd time in the winter. And when that, those, the wildlife came up to your window, it was just like, I'd go on the second floor. Cause like, you know, bears and me, 
would go <laughs> long. Um, so you just press up to the window. And you're like, mom, look it. And she's like, shh, because the bear can hear you and it's going to attract. But um, how did you end up going from big city to forest living? Well, my husband's a builder and we had three kids under the age of five. So why not move from the city to <laughs> 600 miles away where we know nobody and live in the woods, right? It sounded so smart. But the truth was I can ride anywhere and he wanted to build homes here. So it is what it is. And now we have these big spiders and we get porcupines and deer and coyotes. And it's it's crazy. But I've been here um, 20 years. So I'm getting good at it. You're getting good at it. <laughs> and like after the year we just had though, let's be straight and frank. Yes. Like you can survive in the oh, yeah. apocalypse. Like, you and know. Fact, this, is true that this is the place to be because we weren't, we didn't feel holed up. I mean, we live, we're surrounded by a lot of land, woods. And so I never once felt held up by the fact I couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a big difference. That's a big difference. When when the pandemic happened here up in Manitoba, Canada, for me, I was living downtown in a condo and me and my neighbor above me, we had an escape plan in case something happened in the city. Like we don't live in that big of a city, but like we still had discussed it. Like if stuff starts to go up in flames, like we have an emergency bag and we're leaving. And then I ended up selling my condo in the middle of a pandemic and moving into a house out of the city, kind of in this farmland. And now I look out to literally two farm fields. If I look out and sideways, it's all farm. And, and now I'm like, man, I don't worry about an escape plan. I don't, it's like, it's okay. It's quiet. It's fantastic. So it did, it really is a big difference if you, if you put yourself out there and you get used to it and enjoy, right? Yeah. And nature, who doesn't love nature? I'm really, I'm really jealous that we can see the, um, the trees out of your window. I grew up in Vancouver and then I've lived in oh, Alberta. Oh, beautiful cities. It really is. But it was such a big transition to move to Alberta where there, it's just flat and I yeah. kind of miss the trees and things like that. So uh, I'll just, I'm listening, but I'm also just looking at you behind you. <laughs> Reminiscing to play in the forest and take all the forest sounds. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell Alexa tonight to play the forest sounds as background noise before I go to bed. And I'm going to dream of all your, your books and everything we talk about today. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about your writing career. Has this always been something that you've planned or did it just kind of naturally evolve over time? It did not naturally evolve over time. Uh, I mean, I was a journalism major, so nonfiction in college, and I would write these stories and I kept failing. And I would say, but this is what I want to do to my teacher. Why can't I do this? And he would say, because it's called lying, because I would add to the stories. I would embellish <laughs> all the stories. I did not stick to the truth ever. So it's really, he really did me a favor in the long run because I was able to switch over to fiction. Good. And I understood I wanted to do fiction. And, you know, I've been reading all my life. I'm a huge reader. I mean, I'll read, I read anything. I read fiction, nonfiction. I'll read the back of a cereal box. So it was pretty natural for me to go from, nonfiction to fiction, be able to say whatever I wanted to say, make up whatever I wanted and tell it however I wanted. 
So I just feel so grateful that people read it. You know, I'm telling myself a story and that other people want to hear it or read it too is amazing. It is. It's a really I mean, you guys know because you're, you're writers too. Yeah. It's a pretty fantastic job. It is. And it's so wonderful <laughs> to write about what you want to write. And I can tell you, I had a very similar experience. I went to college um, and I took a journalism course. And I, yeah, and my instructor was like, no. And I'm like, but why? And he goes, this isn't going to work. Like I have never failed so many times over something. And I'm like, I thought I was a reader. Like, this is not okay. And, um, and he's like, you got to kind of stick to the truth. And that there was also some grammatical things in there too. But I'm mean, like, that's what you pay an editor for, in my opinion. Like, I'm here to storytell. I'm not here to fact check on the grammar to make sure I got my commas in the right place. Um, it's but yeah. kind of a good lesson, though, for, for writers in that, because I said this before, that it might just not, you might be a writer, but it just might not be your right genre, yeah. right? I mean, you two are both writers, but maybe not journalist i tried for a decade to be a poet and they kept saying it's too wordy it's too prosy it's too wordy and i was like oh i'll write prose then right so for any of our listeners or viewers that are like well i've tried to write sci-fi for 30 years okay maybe try fantasy try historical just don't give up right because yeah. that was the biggest thing i learned after so many no's and there were a lot of no's. I could probably wallpaper my house with all my rejections in the beginning. I could probably wallpaper everyone's house within a mile radius of me with my rejections. I think the more you do it, the better you get. And yeah. never take no for an answer. If, it, if this is what you want to do, then keep doing it. Exactly. And as our publicist uh, and one of our sponsors with Creative Edge, Mickey Mickelson says, it's everything is building blocks, right? It's like you ha you can't go from the bottom step of the ladder to the top step of the ladder in one jump, because if you fall, it's going to hurt real hard. <laughs> like you gotta, you gotta take one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And eventually you're going to get to the top no matter if you're determined enough you're going to get there and i think that's such a true testament of writers these days and successful writers these days it's like yeah i didn't just write one book and become a new york times best-selling author or i just didn't write one short story and was pasted on the front of a literary magazine like it takes a lot of no's before you get that yes and then once you start to get yeses they kind of snowball effect into a whole bunch of new beautiful opportunities also it's time like you have to hone this is you're not born with this ability i mean maybe you're a born storyteller i mean i was probably telling stories before i could write them down that's probably natural but actually the craft of writing itself takes so much work Oh yeah. Like looking at your first book to your last book, how much yeah. has evolved in your writing and how much you've evolved as a, as a creator. You're totally right. Storytellers are, I think, born. Um, definitely was one of those like, you know, yip yapping about what happened <laughs> and why I lost my talk at school. Um, you know, it versus actually putting it down and practicing. And, and whenever our people pick up my first book to my last book, I go, 
Yeah. Just wait till you get to the last one. Like you're going <laughs> to, your socks are going to be blown off. <laughs> I promise it gets better. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. You just like promise you're like, just, just pull through the first couple. You'll be okay. Yeah. My, my first series, people were like, oh, it's good. But, eh. And then, you know, with my latest series, they're like, here's some awards. And I'm like, oh, but it, you just, yeah, you just have to keep writing. There's lots of famous authors that, because I'm a teacher and my students are like, oh, this new author. I'm like, this author's been around for a while, actually. They have like five of the other series. It's just that this one was the big explosion. They either really got better with their craft or they found the right um, audience or the right, whatever it was. But uh, kids are always really surprised by that to be like, what? Suzanne yeah. Collins wrote things before the Hunger Games? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you Gregory the Overlander and the whole series, right? How much work goes into everything you do. I, I use my mom as a gauge. In the beginning, I would write a book, I would send it to her, and she, she'd say, mm, so I read your book. And then she wouldn't say anything else. <laughs> and now when I send her a book, she's like, oh, it was great. So I know. I know there's a regression. If she doesn't say anything, I'm like, okay, I better go back in check it out. Yeah, refine and retune just a little bit. <laughs> um, so talking about passions, I mean, obviously writing is a passion for all three of us. So, but what happens outside of writing in your life? Do you have any passions that you kind of hone your attention to outside of your, your storytelling and creating? You know, I have a large family. And for an example, when the pandemic hit, they all came home. So for a while, there was nine of us in this house, four dogs and a baby. And I mean, just think about that, the logistics of keeping us all in toilet paper and all with enough food to have <laughs> as many meals as a day that was required. So I would say that was probably the biggest thing that was happening in 2020 for me was there was a lot going on just in the house around me. Right. But other than that, I mean, I love wheat to get out. I'm an outdoors girl now, who knew, the city girl. So, you know, we hike three miles every day in the snow, without the snow. We, we used to, before this year, travel a lot. And that was really great. So I think that if you're not living out there living life, it is really hard to keep fresh in the writing. You have to be out there doing something for yourself. Oh yeah, you can't live the same day the same day twice, right? And and getting out there and experiencing new things, get those creative juices flowing, and then pop goes a new a new idea for for a new book or a new series. So a little birdie told me that you rescue animals too. Is that true? My actually, my oldest daughter does. Well, we've always rescued all of our animals. They just show up and we keep them. My <laughs> oldest daughter actually fosters. And uh, so she fosters. So we always have fresh kittens around or a puppy, whatever she's fostering, the foster of the week. And the foster of the week. And that could be literally a blog post or a series on its own. <laughs> is, you know, if you get a new little four-legged fur baby in your house, there's a whole new boatload of stories and experiences that you're going to get with that. I wrote a whole series about... Um, veterinarians and the animals in their lives so they, that was a lot of fun I really enjoyed doing that and a lot of those animals in those books were real animals to us here at the house oh, that's fantastic they're like an extension of the family like really truly yeah. they are 
they are, and they show what unconditional love is really truly is. <laughs> I have my my angry cat over here in the corner in the dog bed. I don't know where the dog is because the cat is taken over. She's fourteen years old, and she doesn't take anything from anybody. And the poor dog just if he sees her in the bed, he just keeps walking. <laughs> All right, now keep on moving. No, you, know, you stay. I'll go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just be comfortable. That's fine. I'll just take the hard floor over here. No big deal. <laughs> and my dog is the exact opposite. She'll just sit on top of whatever looks comfortable, whether it's on you. On like, I've had her perch on my shoulder like a little cow's cat, and she's a forty-five pound boxer. Oh, I'm like, that's a big black girl. Are you you good? She's like, yep. I'm like, all right. That's good. I'm I'm good too. Thanks. Like I'm gonna need the chiropractor after this to put the shoulders back into place, but like, hey, no big deal. Do you write your animals or any pets at all into your books? I have not, but my next series I will be. It's it's gonna it, it will be kind of tied into it. Um and and simply because I think animals are so intuitive and can really help through some tough times. And not only for me, but some of the people that I've interviewed for my next series, um, their animals are their children, are their family, are their therapy. And I definitely want to highlight that in my next series, just because like, again, they're, they're an extension of, of you as a family. And I wish they lasted longer as long as humans do, because I like them more than humans most of the time <laughs> see, see this is why i can't have animals in my books because i write you know fantasy and, and adventure and but you know people get injured and people die and you know and i i can't have that happen to the dog no. the dog would have to live and if i'm yes. gonna have the dog live but like five characters die that just wouldn't work so we just don't have animals in them and that solves that problem you know, isn't it funny when a dog dies or a cat dies in a movie or a uh, book and you sob and then somebody dies this like gruesome, horrible death and you're like, what, whatever, let's go back to the dog dying. Like, that's just so sad. You may never kill a dog in a book. It just wouldn't no. go over well. No, no, it, no, you can't. You cannot. And like dog movies, I don't even try. I can't. I like the <laughs> moment you see the dog, I start to sob. My partner's like, are you okay? I'm like... It's fine. I'm just going to step away and grab some air. He's like, nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's tears streaming down. Oh, my sister, will, I'll love this. She is a foster cat that lives in her sink. So and oh. where it's most comfortable. <laughs> so Jill, um, you have a lot of fans because you have such a wide variety of really wonderful uh, literature. So what... Um, it, you know, if there's an audience just like chomping at the bit here, what is coming up for you? What, uh, what can they get next? What is being released right now? Well, actually, on Tuesday, I have a new book out called The Forever Girl. I actually, I don't know if this is, can you see it straightforward? Yep. Or, yeah. yeah. So The Forever Girl. In fact, there are two little pugs in her little basket. There we go. Like um, we're psychic or something. Yeah, it's like we're psychic. That we was all planned it. Yes, yes, we planned that segue. Um, and what can I tell you? Oh, it's part of the Wildstone series, but the Wildstone series is all written in a way that you can read the books in any order. There's, you will not miss anything by reading them in backwards, frontwards, upside down, sideways, sideways, however you want to. 
that's what I've heard about um, a lot of your series. And that's why people really enjoy it because they're not constantly waiting. Like they want the next one because they love what you write. But if they get it as a gift and it's in the wrong order, it'll, they can still read it without. Well, yeah. That was, that's always, it was a complaint for me as a reader. I would go to the store and see a great looking book and pick it up and see, Oh, it's book eight. And I was always afraid to pick, to pick it up without going back and reading the first seven. And I just, I didn't want to put readers under that kind of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. My like, husband will thank you. Yes, he buys I me a book every Christmas and, and all my birthdays. He's not a reader. He likes audiobooks, but he's not a reader. And he always buys me like book three of seven or book two of nine. And then he's like, why aren't you reading it? I'm like, I don't understand it. So he will probably send you a card in the mail saying, thank you. <laughs> uh, problem solved. Yeah, problem solved. I just I just felt really strongly as a reader about it. And when I'm writing, I don't, I very consciously don't do anything that will be spoilers or anything of that nature. So you're safe. So how are all these stories connected then? Is the, it this the Wildstone series is all connected by setting. So Wildstone is it takes place, I set it around a real town called Avila Beach in the San Luis Obispo area, which is mid-California coast. And uh, it's ranch land, it's wineries, and then you've got the surfing and the coastal area. So I just thought it was a perfect way to um, write books that have a variety of settings while still in the same county. So it's Wildstone, but yet this book is about a winery and this book is about the beach and this book is about a horse ranch. So every, so the, it's not connected by characters. Nice. That's a very unique take on it. I've heard, you know, there's the traditional series. Mm -hmm. um, some romances, it, it's like the fam, it, a lot of romance trace the family. Mm -hmm. um, there's a new kind of thing in the last few years where it's like, it's not a sequel, it's like a companion book. But this is a, a, a unique way to do it. I, I, I like that. Well, it's just nice because you build the world and then you still have it for a couple of books or however long. You want to stay there, right? I did right now. The Forever Girls, the sixth book, set there. Cool, nice. So, yeah. to you, if you had, if you were to share what makes a good story, either as a writer or a reader, how would you describe that? How would you say this is what is a good story? I mean, there's a lot of things that attribute to it. It has to be the genre that you want to read. But if it's if you want contemporary with romance, with family, with um, like a central cat. So it feels like a small town, whether it is a small town or not. Um, there's a lot of connection. For me, it's about the heart of the characters. It's always about the heart of the characters. And I also like Happily Ever Afters. So I always will have that in my book. It's That's not a very the first uplifting time. message. Yeah, and it's definitely not the first time we've heard this. Every now and then we'll 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 ask that question to to one of our guests. And it's always about it's down to the characters and who they are and how the readers can relate to the characters and 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 that relatability to the end of the story, you know, and whether that's the end of the book or the end of the series, depending on what you're looking at. But yeah, feeling good, happily, hap happily ever afters don't necessarily mean a prince and a princess, Absolutely you know. Not. And it doesn't really mean a romance either. Exactly. For instance, and for instance, in this one that comes out on Tuesday, the Forever Girl, you start out with two romances, but you know, sometimes your happily ever after isn't "I love you." Yes, it's "I love me." 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, in this book, you get a little of both. I just yeah. really feel um, that it's it's comfort food for the soul. You know, it's not brain surgery. It's uh, mac and cheese. It's it's yeah. it's warm and cozy. It is character driven. Most of my books are character driven. There's and readers. Readers, you know, they, you know, when you talk to them about a book and they might say, well, this was really interesting and this was really fun and, and this caught me by surprise. But did you like the book? Nope. Didn't like the main character. If they don't like, if that character isn't likable or believable, sometimes they're like, well, that's trustable. Right now there's kind of a fad to have an unreliable protagonist. Personally, it's hard for me to read and I it's hard for me to write. I want to love the person I'm writing about yep. and yep. trust them. Yep. Yeah. It, it, oh, I yeah. think it makes a big difference, not only from a reader's point of view, but from a writer's point of view. Um, unless you get like those really quirky writers that are like, oh yeah, I like writing way out their characters. But for me, I find it so much, not easier, but more enjoyable to write about somebody and build this character as somebody that I like and that I can not necessarily relate to all the time, but somebody that, you know, makes me feel good inside to write. But I think that's where you and I are, are very similar, Jill, is to we, we, we write that female fiction or women's fiction and contemporary and kind of zhuzh it up and make it feel good and make it look good with a little Which, bow way, on top. It's hard. It's really hard to write contemporary fiction with a believable conflict because we don't have a ghost. We don't have time travel. We don't have guns. We don't have like the things that Jenna gets to write about. Right. Magic. (laughs) Throw some magic in there and it all fixes everything. I tried to write contemporary once. It lasted four pages. I was like, Nope, I do have a self-published novel that's contemporary. And, but even I had to throw some fantasy in there to get it. Like I kudos to you guys. It's hard. Yeah, it's I, I find like I could never write about I ca- I could never do fantasy and write in magic. I wouldn't even know where to begin. You would read it and be like, "Is this Harry Potter?" I'd be like, "No, <laughs> it's Potty Harry or Harry." Like it, it would it would not it would not work for me at all. I can only write about real well I'm not only but I do enjoy it a lot more and and I get it just goes to show you that creativity comes from all different angles and and the beauty of of writing you can basically make up what you want to make up I mean let's face it we make up shit for a living that's what we <laughs> yes. do yes. we give it's the great. truth scope I was like that quote <laughs> yeah. um before we go I do I know Miranda's kind of telling me the time's coming but I do want to <laughs> sneak in one more question in that so you have to make these contemporary characters. You can't add the magic that I can or the special powers. And you want them to be likable, but they also can't be perfect. Right. right? And that's there the has key to be right there. That is the key to a good character, three-dimensional. Yep. So I do it like this. In my mind, when I first think of a character, it's almost like a, a stick, a pencil drawing of a person, like a circle and a stick and two legs, right? And then as you add their personality and their past and what they've been through to get here, you start to fill it in. So you maybe you color it a little bit. And then to me, the last step, until they're 3D and they can literally walk off your page and into their book, they're not ready. They have to have flaws. They have to have a past that has made them who they are. We have to know everything about them before we can write. 
I want to nod so heavily that my head falls off. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask about how to develop characters. Um, and everyone has a different method with the same message, right? Like you've got your stick figure. Some people physically draw it. Some people have thousands of pages of notes. But until they all say, until you know that character backwards and forwards, it's not ready. Right. Yeah. Until you can ask that character questions that you would ask your friend and another friend and another friend, you're going to get three different answers from all your friends, right? You should get a fourth answer from your character. Like yeah. it should be that they should be their own person. Yeah. And you yeah. can't do that until you know everything about them. And that takes time. So how long does that take you? Sometimes the prep work for a book takes me longer than writing the book. And it's hard. It's, yeah. it's agony. It, every day of trying to plan that book is agony every day yeah. of writing the first draft is agony i whine i moan i cry i throw myself around and my family's like she's in the first draft just let her be <laughs> it's not until I me when i'm editing <laughs> i'd rather edit than i'd so rather fix a page than write a page interesting i do agree with the the there's a lot of that pre-planning yeah. like i'll stare into space and my husband's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm writing. I'm plotting. He's like, I'll I don't see. Eyes closed. They're like, no, you're napping. I am not. I mean, yeah. maybe a little bit I'm napping, but it's <laughs> the time you're napping. I'm drawing on the back of my eyelids. There okay. you go. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, though. It's true. I'm planning and prepping for my second series right now. And um, and I interviewed like 100 women to, to prepare for my next three-part series. And going through those notes and trying to come up with bits of all these interviews and create that character front ways, back ways, sideways, upwards, downwards. So when I ask a question to them, they give me their own individual answer, not an answer that I would give them, not an answer that Jenna would give them, uh, a whole mismatch of their own unique. And you do that with a hundred people and you try to create and you're like, man, this was a feat. This was an undertaking. And, um, it, but you're totally right. It takes so long to create these characters and the world that you're putting them in. But then when you have this, this completed piece at the end it's it's kind of magical but yet there's no magic it's there's no magic it's all, all hard 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 work and, a and maybe some wine work. and lots of wine and, and tears. Lots of tears. Yeah. yes do you ever um because they're so real to you do you ever cry when something happens to them do you ever i've done that I make myself laugh sometimes. I, 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 don't, I haven't made myself cry very much sometimes. If I'm, sometimes I'll try to think of a really sad situation for them and that might make me cry. But you know, by the time I'm actually writing it, I have outlined it so deeply that I'm past that. I'm just trying to right. convey the emotion on the page. I'm more, I'm more crying because I'm tired than I'm crying because I'm <laughs> Yeah, there's those exhausted tears and you're just like, but I got to keep going, right? <laughs> you know, without a deadline on top of loving this job, it's also, it's also a job, right? There's a mortgage yeah. and it's your job to finish yeah. what you promised to do. Exactly, exactly. You got to put it out there and got to put the blood, sweat and tears into it. And at the end of the day, I mean, you got 15 million copies out there worldwide. So you must be doing something right. I'm just grateful, really, for the readers. That's all. <laughs> Which is fantastic. And we're grateful for the time that you spent with us today. So to our watchers and listeners, where can they find you on the socials? Where they, can they get your latest book? Where can they find all of your books? Please share. Um, I'm on 
everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I have a website. It's all just jillchavez.com or Instagram.jillchavez. And as for my next book, it's The Forever Girl, and it will hit stores and be in audio and be in digital on Tuesday. It should be everywhere, I hope. Fingers and crossed. Tuesday is January 9th? 12th. 12th, 12th, yeah. I, can't do that. <laughs> I wasn't even close. That hurt my brain to add up. <laughs> that was quick, though. Okay, so January 12th, Forever Girl is on the shelf, so you can get your copy all over the internet because, you know, bookstores are probably not open because they're not well, essential. Well, Target. You can get me at Target. You can get oh, me at Walmart. Okay, we're essential then. I've seen you at Walmart. Yes, I have. And yes, yes. You know, if you can't, you can always order it from Amazon or Barnes yes. and Noble or anywhere you can order books. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thanks again, Jill. We really do appreciate your time Yay. today and absolutely loved getting to know you and hearing all about your character building and your writing world and the big, beautiful forest that you live in. Thanks and thank you to all of our watchers and listeners. Again, yeah. Happy New Year to everybody. Thank 2021. You. So just a final thank you to our show sponsors. So thank you to Authors on the Air, uh, Global Radio Network, and Creative Edge Publicity with Mickey Mickelson. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Quillening Podcast with your hosts, Jenna Green and Miranda O. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Copyright belongs to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air.